Thanks for listening to the Granary Church Podcast. For more information, head to granary.org.au or follow us on social media at The Granary Church. Well, we're in week three of our series on spiritual warfare, and it's great to be able to speak to you today. If you are anything like me as a normal Australian, when you hear the word or the phrase spiritual warfare, there's a little bit in me that just is a little bit maybe uncomfortable with that concept or maybe recoil a little bit from that. Maybe you've experienced people who the smallest thing go wrong in their life and they say, I'm under spiritual attack, I'm in spiritual warfare, or maybe you've met people who are maybe eccentric a little bit around spiritual warfare and it's maybe put you off a little bit. It's really easy for us as Australians to sort of recoil from this idea because of maybe either people we've met or situations we've been in, or because as Australians, we generally tend to be what's called naturalists. Naturalists are, are people who are a bit more like, if I can't see it and I can't touch it, then I'm not really sure it exists. That's a naturalist where it's all about material things rather than spiritual things. And a little bit of the Australian mindset is around this whole idea of, um, you know, what I can see and what I can touch is real. And so if you're anything like me uh, at times in my life where I hear the word spiritual warfare, I recoil a little bit. But I encourage you to come on a journey with me as I'm going to share a little bit about what's happened in my life and and some of the things that God has encouraged me around. And hopefully today, you might find yourself just taking a few steps deeper into this thing that's called spiritual warfare. When I was in my undergraduate degree in Psychology 101, it was interesting, one of the things that we were taught in Psych 101 was that demons didn't exist today. That was something that people in the Dark Ages or the Middle Ages believed. And so it wasn't really questioned about how that belief came about. It was just that that's how it was today. Those things didn't exist. And so you weren't really allowed to question that. You felt a bit dumb if you did question it. And so also things like we tend to amass lots of material things today and we don't tend to amass spiritual things. There's so much focus on the here and the now and what you can touch and what you can see. Um, So I think those things, uh, we struggle with the idea of spiritual warfare. So come with me, as I think God is going to help us today, move away from being even a Christian naturalist. That is someone who believes in Jesus, but not so sure about this whole idea of a spiritual realm with demons and angels and and interacting with humanity. And come with me into a journey of that today. And I want to speak about three things in particular. But um, I can remember there was a time when at Bible college, I went to a college that was a fairly conservative college. So they would say that spiritual warfare was all about fighting against sin and flesh rather than fighting against spiritual beings. I can remember one time that uh, some missionaries came back from the field and each week we'd have a presentation from Michaud's coming back. And these people have been trained at the college I was at and very much around that that mindset of there's not much happening spiritually. Anyway, they came back and they'd been in Africa. And uh, the thing that they had noticed was that in so many other places around the world, outside of Australia, the whole idea of a spiritual realm is just taken for granted. It's just a normal thing. And so what they found was very early, they had to learn what it was, how to use the authority that was in theirs in Christ and actually interact with demonic forces in the villages where they'd live. 
it was really exciting to see them come on this journey from almost Christian naturalists to someone who was like, spiritual warfare is real and I know how to interact with it. So my hope and prayer today is that when we're finished in 20 minutes time, you'd be able to say, I'm a step closer to getting this idea of spiritual warfare and how I can interact with it. The first point that I'd love to make today is this, that you are in a a spiritual atmosphere. You have a spiritual atmosphere around you personally, and you also have a spiritual atmosphere around us corporately. Ephesians Ephesians 6 verse 12 says this, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. It's interesting here that as Paul paints this picture, he wants to peel back this idea of the natural world and give us eyes to see into the supernatural world. And he peels it back in chapter 6 of Ephesians and says, all around us there is a spiritual realm that is trying to influence you. And in fact, not only is it trying to influence you, that you are actually struggling against it. So Paul was very much of this mindset. If It's a normal Christian thing to understand that there's a spiritual realm that wants to affect the physical realm, and we battle with it. We struggle with it. I also think about this idea in the Old Testament lately in my Bible readings. I've been going through 1 Samuel, and there's this great story in 1 Samuel 19, 18 to 23. Just I'll read it for you, and you might want to read along. Then David had fled and made his escape. He went to Samuel and Ramah and told him all that Saul had done to him. And he and Samuel went to Nanoth and stayed there. Word came to Saul, David is in Ramah. So he sent men to capture him. So at this point, David's on the run from Saul and Saul's hunting him down. Saul was king. David was the next king. uh, And there was a battle between them. David was on the run for his life. So he runs to a safe place where Samuel was. Samuel was the high priest and he would, sorry, not the high priest, he was the prophet and Samuel would have the word of the Lord. But also where Samuel lived was where there was a school of prophets. So it's where not only where he lived, but it's where he taught other prophets. And so it's an interesting thing what happens as Saul approaches a location where there was a whole company of prophets who would understand spiritual warfare and prophesy. This is what happens. This is what happened. But then when he saw the group of prophets prophesying, and I'm in verse 20 here, with Samuel standing there as their leader, the Spirit of God came on Saul's men and they also started to prophesy. Get this, a whole bunch of soldiers, Spirit of God doesn't live on them. They enter this spiritual atmosphere where prophecy was done all the time and these ungodly people or these people who are not filled with the Spirit of God start to prophesy. Very interesting. Verse 21, Saul was, about, uh, Saul was told about it and he sent more men and they prophesied as well. So Saul's like not happy with that answer. He sends more of his men they, and the same thing happens to them. They get to this spiritual atmosphere where all the prophets lived and they start to prophesy as well. Well, Saul sent men a third time and they also prophesied. Finally, he left himself for Ramah And he went to the great cistern of Siku, and there he asked, where is Samuel and David? And they said, over there in Raman. So Saul went to Raman, 
and the Spirit of God came upon him and he walked along prophesying as he came to that place. It's actually interesting. The next verse says for the next 24 hours, he basically prophesied. It's a really interesting thing. As I was reading this um, a lot in the last couple of months, it just, I stopped and paused about this idea that people could enter into an atmosphere and something spiritual would affect what was happening for them. Three groups start prophesying, and then finally Saul himself starts prophesying as well. It makes me ponder the idea of a spiritual atmosphere around Samuel, around the prophets that Samuel was teaching, and around me and around you. What is it um, when you can go into a place and something shifts in the atmosphere? I think it's a spiritual thing. We, we live in a world where there is a spiritual atmosphere around you individually, but around us corporately as well. There's another Old Testament story that I really quite like. It's in 2 Kings chapter 6, 14 to 17. But basically it goes like this. It says, so Elisha was surrounded by the army, by, by armies. He sent horses and chariots and a strong force there. They went by night and surrounded the city. When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots were surrounding the city. Oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered, for those who are with us are more than those who are against us. You could probably imagine at this point the servant is like, I don't know what's in the water, what you're drinking, but I can't see anything out there. But Elisha says this, he prays, and he says, Open his eyes, Lord, so that he might see. And then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked, and he saw hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. It's a really interesting story. And what I think it says to us is, that there is a spiritual realm happening all the time, and yet often if we're just in our natural carnal state, our eyes are not really open to that. But that, if our eyes were open to see what was happening around us, we'd be aware of the spiritual atmosphere. You are in a spiritual atmosphere. I think the Word of God is pretty clear around that. The question is, how aware of that are you, and how are you interacting with that? The second point that I, I just want to think about is this. Are you discerning what is happening around you spiritually? Are you discerning what is happening around you spiritually? Now, I want to just do a bit of a disclaimer around the idea of sometimes what can happen is when we first start to think about a spiritual atmosphere and uh, angels and demons and all that sort of thing, we can, we can actually sort of get a bit excited and be like seeing demons in everything. I stubbed my toe, must have been a devil, whatever. And I think we need to be really balanced. It happens when we get excited. I mean, I I know people who can, um, who I've been with them and they are like, oh, I can see an angel here and I can see an angel here. And I'm, I'm not sort of like that. I believe in spiritual warfare, but I'm not one of these people who can just see like that happening. And so there can be a real challenge around the whole thing of like not, looking for demons under every rock, but also not being blind to the fact that there is a spiritual thing going on. So here's our encouragement. Discern what is happening around you. In 1 Peter 5, 8, 9, it says this, be self-controlled and alert 
Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, stand firm in the faith. But the thing I just want to say on this here, it says, be self-controlled and alert. One of the most powerful aspects of spiritual warfare is actually being alert and aware, having our eyes open and discerning. If you've ever heard that story around how do you boil a frog, not that I encourage you today to boil a frog, but if you've ever heard that story, it's the whole idea of you put them in cold water and then just turn the temperature up a little bit and it changes. The whole idea is the frog doesn't discern its environment. It doesn't discern a change. Something changes around it and it doesn't perceive it. And that can so easily happen with us as human beings. As a family, we've moved cities a few times. And one of the things you notice when you move cities is that there is radically different spiritual atmosphere over different cities. Now, if you've lived in the same city all your life, sometimes you can be like a frog sitting in a pot and you don't notice your atmosphere. Moving to Newcastle three years ago, in those first six months or so, you can discern very quickly what the spiritual atmosphere is. And that's something that I think God wants us to be, have that ability, whether we lived in a city for a long time or not, just to be aware and say, God, what am I experiencing around me right now? Naming it helps as well. For many years, I interacted with narrative therapy. And what narrative therapy encourages people to do is take uh, things in their lives that are hard to name and name them. And as you name them, it helps give you a bit of uh, definition and power over that thing. And I think in a spiritual realm, that's helpful as well. Thinking through not just that there's evil out there and there's demonic forces out there, but actually thinking through what specifically are those demonic forces I'm experiencing. That can be a really helpful thing. Some people call it spiritual mapping. You can call it whatever you want. I think it's just a helpful thing around, uh, even in when Paul's talking to the church in Corinthians around the spiritual gifts, the idea of being able to um, identify what spirits are good and evil. It's this discernment spirit that I think he's encouraging us to have. Back in 1997, Kate and I went to do a YWAM school in Melbourne. It was called, oh, there's so many letters it's hard to remember, but let me see if I can get it right. It was uh, Worship, Spiritual Warfare and Intercession, but there was about six letters in it. And, it was, it was, um, and as you can imagine, the school was all about intercession, spiritual warfare and worship. And um, one of the things we did at this school was a project around spiritual mapping. And it was interesting, um, uh, we did a project on King's Cross in Sydney, Australia. It's, it's sort of like out, out of the whole of Sydney, it's a place where prostitution and strip clubs happen. It's like, it's a, it's a, it's like a magnet for sexual deviation. And so we did a little project around how did it get to be like that. And so part of the discerning of what you experience, now obviously years later we went and prayed there, but one of the things that um, what we did was we actually looked through the history of the city and think what is some of the characteristics of this city, of this area. And it was interesting that when we did our, we did our study, about a week and a half after the male convicts came off the first fleet, it was about a week and a half later, it was the 6th of February, 1788, the female convicts came ashore. And that night, there was such debauchery through Farm Cove and up the hill into the bush then, there was just, that was documented. There was such debauchery that happened. 
But it's interesting to think about that location is actually where King's Cross and the surrounding areas lives today. And as we did this project, we thought about this whole idea of what what if different physical locations have a spiritual stronghold or atmosphere that's been created over them. And so we mapped out this way of how to go and pray about that. It ended up that about seven or so years later that we were leading a um, a 40-day prayer event for the Call Australia. And we actually went to King's Cross and used some of the research we'd done to start to pray into that area. It's this whole idea of discerning the atmosphere that you're living under in order for us to be prayerful and actually powerful in our spiritual warfare. So discerning, being aware and alert, uh, naming what you're experiencing and doing some mapping is helpful. The last thing that I would just want to share um, today is this whole idea of moving in the opposite spirit in order to experience breakthrough. So the beginning of uh, John's gospel describes Jesus as the light coming into the darkness and the darkness not being able to overtake or overcome it. The light shines into the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. It's this whole idea of contrasting an aspect of God with an aspect of darkness. So darkness was there and Christ came to shine light into that. It's this whole idea of coming with an opposite spiritual force to that of what you're experiencing. The Bible also talks about this idea of love casting out fear. It's again an opposite. And in fact, all through the New Testament, we're encouraged to to combat whatever we find spiritually dark with a form of lightness that's going to overcome that. I can remember um, many times that we've been with uh, YWAM people and they've experienced places where um, they would say greed and the spirit of mammon is operating. And their answer to that wasn't necessarily praying against greed. It wasn't necessarily protesting against greed. It wasn't making a big fuss about the spirit of mammon. It was actually coming in the opposite spirit. And so what they would do is they would do moments of generosity. And what those moments of generosity looked like was simply this. They'd recognize that there was the spirit of mammon or greed operating. They would just consecrate themselves to the Lord and they'd go back to their room and seek God and say, God, what do you want me to give away? And I've experienced some of the most humbling offerings you could ever imagine as a bunch of people who are supported by other people and have only just a handful of possessions would bring their most precious possessions and seek God who to give them away to. An atmosphere of greed was broken by this outpouring of generosity. And that's the power of moving in the opposite spirit. But in order to move in the opposite spirit, we have to be aware that we're in a spiritual battle and we have to be discerning of what that spiritual thing we're experiencing is. And then coming against that, you might experience um, isolation at times. And, you know, the antidote for that is actually seeking deeper communion with people. Uh, And you might have experienced greed. And the answer to that is radical generosity. Whatever it is, God can bring that to your mind and your heart as you think through this whole idea of spiritual warfare in terms of moving in an opposite spirit. I wonder what it would look like today if your eyes were opened. It's a prayer that I actually pray quite often 
because I'm like, God, I don't want to be just a carnal man. I don't want to be just a Christian naturalist who is like, I believe in Jesus, but really I'm not really interested in this whole idea of the spiritual realm. And I recognize in myself this thing that tires and grows cold and I have to stoke it. I have to stoke it regularly and say, God, give me open eyes to see spiritually what you're doing around me and my family and my church and my community. And God will start to give you eyes to see. I really believe that. What would you notice? What would you notice if God was to open your eyes today? What would you notice about the way you live your life, uh, the things you interact with, the people you talk to? What would you notice if your eyes were truly opened? Can you imagine yourself uh, with a new level of discernment and authority? Imagine what that would look like walking into some of your more complex situations and feeling like you don't just have tools that are carnal and man-made, but you have a whole tool belt that's made by God himself in order for you to uh, have victory in the spiritual realm and overcome the forces of darkness and evil. Imagine that for just a moment. It would change so many of your interactions. And that's my hope and prayer for you today, that God would step you out small step by small step, breaking off mindsets of naturalism, uh, opening us up to a biblical worldview around spiritual things, uh, helping us to be understanding we're in a spiritual atmosphere, um, discerning what's happening around us, and understanding that his spirit dwells in us uh, for us to move in an opposite spirit of the things we experience in order that we would be the place where the kingdom of God breaks out. I'd love to pray for you right now that you would experience a greater opening of your eyes, uh, that you would recognize the new discernment and authority that God's placed on your life. Let me pray for you. Father, I just pray for every person who can hear my voice today, that you would be able to declare over us that we could open our eyes and see the armies of God, see chariots of fire, and see that are more for us than those who are against us. Open our eyes today. Help us to understand the authority you've put in us through Christ and teach us how it is to move in the opposite spirit of the darkness we experience. In Jesus' name, amen. Mm-hmm.